spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host, Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening. I've got the wonderful romance writer Eva Scott with me this episode. I'm very excited to share it with you. For over 10 years, Eva Scott has been writing warm-hearted, funny, best-selling fiction about love in small town and rural Australia. Eva is the best-selling author of Australian rural rom-coms such as Lonely in Longreach and Meet Me in Bendigo. A lifelong storyteller, she lived in Britain and Papua New Guinea before coming home to Australia to train as a cultural anthropologist. She now lives amongst vineyards and orchards in rural Tasmania with her husband and son, two cats and a cocker spaniel. Now, I apologise in advance, there's a little bit of sound issues with this episode, um, but the wonderful Mike, my producer, has done his best to clean it up for us. I hope you enjoy my chat with Eva. Eva Scott, welcome to Totally Lit. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you. I, I was lucky enough to meet you at a writing workshop being presented by Isabel Carmody last year and little did I know I was meeting such a prolific and successful author. (laughs) I was undercover as myself instead of my writer self at the time. I was just so um, pumped to be in a room with Isabel and, you know, it was such a great workshop. It was fantastic. Um, I have done no writing since then. <laughs> well, well, I've I've got a picture book coming out, but I haven't sat down and done the novel yet. But um, I'll keep going to workshops to be inspired and meet well, lovely people like you. You've got the podcast, and you've got like you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I pretend that I don't, but <laughs> there's a lot happening. <laughs> Um, now, today you're here to tell me about your latest release. Can you tell me about While You Were in the Country? While You Were in the Country is uh, the third book in what I like to think of as my 90s rom-com revival series. It all started when, um, back, cast your mind back to those 2019 when things started to get a bit curly and weird. Um, I started watching, uh, you know, 90s rom-coms to cheer myself up, basically, mm. take my mind off all the things that were happening with the pandemic and and other situations. And um, I thought, you know what, I would really love to read a book like this that's sort of funny, light, frothy, you know, beautiful people in improbable situations with a happy ever after. And I, I couldn't really find anything that hit mm. the notes. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to write myself something. And Amazing. I did. Well, I wrote Lonely and Long Reach, which was, um, you know, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, While You've Got Mail became Meet Me and Bendigo. And this one, no prizes for guessing, While You're in the Country is While You Were Sleeping. Is there any issue about your novels being inspired by movies in that way? No, not at all, because they're not copies, and right. that's really important to point out. It's like this is a big trend. I just happened to do it at the same time as Hollywood did, but there is a big trend for reimagining 
90s classics. I think everybody is looking for that comfort of the 90s. So there's loads of stuff that's being sort of reimagined and um, uh, there was a whole bunch of movies just recently they announced that they were going to sort of reimagine with new actors and mm. slightly different storylines. So you'll find key scenes will still uh, be in the, the stories. In my case, um, the scene where Sandra Bullock, her character, Lucy, saves Peter, the guy she's got a big crush on, when he, he gets mugged and he falls onto the railway tracks and she saves him in a dramatic act. And that's in my book, but it's different. It's a car crash mm. uh, where Frankie, our heroine, uh, has the opportunity to uh, save her big AFL crush, Jed Murphy, in a car crash that happens in front of her. So it mirrors, but it's not the same. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm all about the 90s revival at the moment. I've got some very cool 90s jeans and my Doc Martens out again. So. <laughs> love the 90s, man. I love them to the 90s. It was my heyday. I bloody love them. They're awesome. Yes, same here. Um, now, you've lived overseas in Britain and Papua New Guinea and studied as a cultural anthropologist. How did you become a romance writer? Well, I'd always written. I'd always written. And, and at the time I was writing, uh, I was writing for Great Walks magazine. I was doing stuff. I was working for Queensland Health and, uh, you know, writing stuff to do with the public hospital report, kind of more technical stuff. And I got pregnant and I thought, well, if not now, when? You know, I'm going to have a crack at the novel. You know what that's like. You think, well, I think I'm going to do it. And I picked romance. I'd read a lot of romance with my mum, you know, the old Mills and Boone growing up. We used to go and, and get the second-hand bookstore and swap the books every week, and it was an event. It was a fun thing to do with her, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try my hand at romance because romance readers are actually very discerning, and if you don't do a good job, they will let you know. Mm. They're very discerning. So I thought, I'm going to have a go at it, and I – entered the Romance Writers of Australia Emerald Competition, which is the first time, you know, aspiring writers. And I came forth. Now, if I'd actually nice. known a thing or two about the craft of writing, I probably would have placed. Mm. But I went away, took the feedback, did the work, and I got a publishing contract with a small uh, boutique American publisher. And that got me my start and off I went and before you know where you are I have a brand now and, yes. and this is what I do and so it's 12 13 books that you've got out now yes I know yes that's, that's a lot of books it's a lot of books and they're not skinny it's... books either they're getting fatter by the year <laughs> just like me honestly and you find what I've been finding is that it's a bit like a running a marathon writing a novel and when you start a thousand words a day seems a tremendous amount to write but as you the years roll by you get writing fit and you know 2,000 words a day is fine sometimes yeah. three on a good day so it gets it gets the writing gets easier but the the story plotting and complexity that that bit never gets easier and can you tell me what a day in the life of Eva Scott is like when, when you're writing? It's a bit chaotic, really. Often involves pyjamas. Um, 
I don't I don't really have much of a routine. Sometimes I'm up at six and I'm into it. Other times I wait till my son goes off to school, mostly because I'm lazy. Um, I've just acquired a new laptop, which means I can go mobile now. Mm-hmm. So I can go down to my favorite cafe or whatever. But I don't really have a routine as such, which might be a disadvantage, to be honest with you. But I, uh, right. you're pretty prolific. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a scramble to get there. Yes. So at the moment, I'm trying to get into to more of a routine where I'm actually, you know, spend the morning writing. If I can hit my word count, then I can, you know, go about and, and do. Because as you know, it's not, you're not just working. You've you've got, you know, um, uh, a household to run and elders to look after and you know there's so many other layers to a life so just trying to get it all balanced is is a challenge and then all of the marketing activities surrounding the book once it's out as well yeah they do take up quite a bit of time actually um you know loads of social media stuff um this year i had my first in-person book launch uh covid had meant that the last two books, I hadn't been able to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was really super fun. It was really awesome to get in front of a, a you know, a live crowd and, and have some exchange and interaction. It, it was really great. And you write um, Australian-themed romances, but you've also got some historical books that you've written as well. Who is your audience? Do you have mainly Australian readers or is it an international audience that reads your books? I'm getting more uh, international visitors to my website and my book, Lonely and Longreach, actually launches in the US at the end of January next year. So I think it's, you know, it's slowly opening up. But um, my sweaty gladiator books, as I like to call them, I wrote those those first. Yeah. because they were fun and I love history and who doesn't love a sweaty gladiator, right? And But sweaty gladiators don't really sell. So that's... Really? Yeah, there's I'm not already a eyeing off the untamed celts, but it might be because of the cover. Well, you know, I actually won an award for the gladiatrix, the last gladiatrix. We won an yep. award for that cover. Not Nothing to do with me, of course. It mm. was done for me. Um, but they're good, fun books. The last gladiatrix is still one of my favourites books that I've written but um rural romance was I kind of fell into that and I've been there ever since and with the historical series what did you have to do much research yeah with it yeah um to have a bit of authenticity around the historical absolutely and I mean that was fun I loved that Mm. um I've been a history buff forever so it was really indulgent for me to spend time researching this period in history and finding out you know the remarkable way that romans lived like in rome they had invented a sort of crude wristwatch which only worked if you stayed in your kind of neighborhood but it was really like a freddie flintstone sundial that you could strap to your wrist. I was like, oh, is it a sundial? Yes. That's why it would only work if you stayed within your, you know, your neighbourhood. If you sort of went on a trip, obviously, you know, the latitude and longitude would be different and it it wouldn't work as effectively. So it was, you know, this was a real thing and I loved finding out all of that, those Mm. little crazy bits and pieces and I love the fact that the Romans never cooked at home. They always ate out because 
kitchens were a fire hazard. So you know, it was it was um it was a really interesting, fun time writing mm. those. Mm. So I, I can learn something while I'm getting yes. a bit of a romance as well. Good for trivia night. Good for trivia yes. night. I love history, and I've actually um, the way I got into podcasts and podcasting was because uh, I love true crime podcasts. Oh. But I've had a real shift recently where I've moved to historical podcasts. So um, where I'm just listening to things about medieval history, and um, there's a few funny ones that are um, more a bit like they have a comedian and uh, like a um, academic talking about a period of time um, and I'm enjoying those um, but I've really wanted to let go of all the crime and people hurting each other yeah <laughs> I understand it's a bit much like, oh, at some yes, point. Yeah. I just need a bit of a change so so yeah my my listening has really changed um, and my reading is starting to change a bit as well. So I don't know if that's just because of the uh, state of the world we're in. Um, yeah, it's nice to... A bit of happiness. Instead. Yeah, and to disappear into another time. And, you know, I just finished uh, Karen Brooks' The Good Wife of Bath, and mm. that is so full of such great research. I learned so much about the medieval period, and I thoroughly enjoyed disappearing every day into yeah. another time and place and, and that's what I you know I think of books as like portals that you open mm. the cover and you climb in into a different world and you know for me that is the stuff I write is not going to change your life and it's not going to win a man book at any time soon but it's to I don't know just cheer you up and, and make you feel better um, so that you can come back to the crazy world and get on with it you know take yeah. some time out and what sort of interaction do you get from your readers? Do you, do you get much fan mail or do they um, let you know when they've enjoyed one of your novels? Yeah, I do actually. And it's surprisingly um, uh, from men. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I got some, I've had some really lovely uh, touching messages from men who say, you know, particularly Lonely in Longreach, there's a character in that story who's um a young 14 year old teenage boy and you know I, i've had people say well that reminds me of myself of when i was that age mm. and you know that's that's lovely it's surprising how many i think about 30 percent of my readers are middle-aged men that's amazing i know you would no you wouldn't would you but they are and there's um you know, there's quite a lot of men who read uh, romance. You'd be surprised. I did really like that your covers are, they're not bodice-ripping bodice covers. Like, they're quite <laughs> um, respectful, I guess, to women and to men. Do you ever get any feedback about that? I don't get much input into my covers at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, the publisher will do that, and then they'll send it to you for approval. But there isn't. You know, I don't know whether that would change if I was further up the food chain, but where I am now, I I get approval, but there's not much input or say. But, I mean, the, the gang over there at Harlequin uh, do a marvellous job of putting together the covers, and I then take them and make these enormous great banners out of them. So I have, like, what I like to call my harem of men. 
mm. and I put them up and um, and they're glorious. So I've been really happy with the result thus far. It's been great. Right. And have you, have you found working with Harlequin a good experience? I have. I've got I've got a really cracker team because the editing process is quite involved and you know I have my editor who does my structural edits and that's you know always a uh, it's an interesting process structural edits because you've got somebody saying look I think you should move chapter 13 you know and make it chapter 10 I think that this needs development I think this needs to come out I think you know and then I have the last say but you know you're really at this stage working to fine-tune the story and make it the best story it can possibly be and that's not always easy as a writer you know to to take that feedback and look at it objectively and go yeah right they're right I do need to do that work so once you get through that prickly part then I've got another team who do my copy edits and you know they're the ones that correct my grammar and they don't let me fall so I don't know where I'd be without those girls. I really don't. They're marvellous. And for aspiring authors who might like to see their work published by Harlequin, how would they approach Harlequin to be published? There's a couple of different ways you can go. The way I did it was they have um, an imprint called Escape, and it is a digital imprint uh, they take submissions for all sorts of different things. They're just looking for a good story. Um, and that, that's where I started. I submitted to Escape and, um, you know, as my writing improved and my storytelling capability got more sophisticated, then I moved into other imprints, you know, and into paperback. So I found that that was a good place to learn about publishing. It was a good place to sort of get your feet wet and to get something up there and get your name out. So, I mean, there's a lot of noise out there. You've got to try and rise above it, and that's the most challenging thing of all. It is, it is a challenge. Um, publishing is not easy when you're, you're a beginner. Um, no. And it's so easy to make mistakes and think you know what you're doing and nope I know what I'm doing I'll, I'll it'll be fine and it, it, that's not the way it is at all no because you don't know what you don't know and uh, I find publishing quite an opaque business you know it's it's difficult to see how it all works and I often you know I think it's a bit like you know the ice wall in Game of Thrones it's like standing at the bottom of that great ice wall in Game of Thrones looking up going, I can't, I don't know how to get over this. I don't know how to get through it. But there is always that little door, that little tunnel down the bottom that you've just got to find. And for me, that was escape. But, you know, everyone's journey is a little different. I'm just writing, put the, putting that note in my phone. <laughs> Look up escape. <laughs> yeah, they were marvellous. That, that was a really great way. And I know quite a number of... Um, writers who are now you know quite successful and well known on the Australian scene it started through escape it, it's a really good training ground amazing um, now I ask a few quick fire questions of my guests which um, they're just fun questions to so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better could you tell me did you have a favorite book growing up I, when I was very young, I would have to say that it was The Magic Faraway Tree with Enid Blyton. Yes. Um, yeah, 
Was that a favourite of yours? Yeah, I lo- love all of them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then and then I got lost in Charlotte Bronte and Wuthering Heights in my teenage years. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have to say they were, they were probably the two biggies from that period. And now this one, if you could be any book character, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. If I could be any book character, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think I'm going to go Jane Austen and and I would be, I think I would be Elizabeth, you know, Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth. I think I'd be Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I'd go. And you just mentioned that you had finished a book. Have you got anything that you're reading right now? I am um, I'm actually waiting for my husband to finish Empire of the Vampire by um, I Love Fantasy. That's how I met you was in the fantasy workshop with yes. Isabel Carmody. It's uh, by Jade Kristoff, and he's ploughing through that, so I'm he's, he's not far short of finished, so I'm sort of waiting for that to get my teeth into that next. I might have to check that one out too. Here's about so many awesome books on this podcast. I'm like, <laughs> I need enough time to read them. I know. I know there's never enough time. No. And I did try audio books, but I just fall asleep when I listen to audio books. And so I miss the story. Yeah, me too. And what I do, I was, uh, you know, if I have to go anywhere, I'll put an audio book on in the car. But I find because I'm concentrating on driving, I've lost the thread of the story. Mm. So that sort of didn't work as successfully as I'd hoped. So I had tried to, I bought CDs to learn French and I thought, oh, I'll play them in the car and I'll, I'll be a fluent speaker. <laughs> but my brain, my brain just blocks it out because I'm focusing on the road and yeah. I, I can't switch my brain off. It just thinks even when I wish it not to think. <laughs> Oh, I know that problem. I know that problem. Um, actually, when I had my launch, my book launch for While You're in the Country, one of the questions I had from the audience was from a, a woman who was a writer herself, and she asked if uh, my dreams woke me up at night. She had lots of really vivid, loud, technical dreams, and they woke her up all the time. And I'm like, yes, my brain never stops. It was comforting to hear that another writer had the same problem. Like, it's not just me. I'm not the only crazy one. I listen to podcasts at night and I find, I don't know why, maybe somebody out in the medical world might know that why, but if I have both headphones in and a podcast playing, I don't dream. But if I only have one earphone in and the other one is out, I do dream. But, yeah, it's really interesting. So I don't know if my brain is dreaming and I don't remember it because of the noise or how it works yeah um, yeah i definitely only dream either with one headphone in or no headphones in well that's fascinating because i get woken up by my dreams two or three times a night you know and it's it's just to turn that off would be or turn it down Mm. would be fantastic yeah that that's the way i switch off at night is I, i put the headphones in put put a podcast on and the more dreary the person's voice, the better. <laughs> and I'll go off to sleep. But if it's a podcast where there's lots of, um, like, especially comedic podcasts where there's laughing yeah. and that sort of stuff, I'm like, nope, you're waking me up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, because your brain gets engaged then, doesn't yes, it? It's, yes, yes. Like, and that's not what you want. And, um, yeah, anything that's um, like a, a fiction 
podcast or something that happens that's a bit dramatic that wakes me up so but anyway I've I've left off my questions I need to jump back (laughs) um if you could invite five literary people to dinner who would they be Ah, five literary people. I would have um, Isabel Allende, Mm -hmm. absolutely. First time I read her book was House of Spirits. It was revelatory. Um, I would definitely have her. I would have... Maya Angelou, I know she's oh, passed away, but we're gonna we're not counting that, are we? We no, can resurrect no, that's, them that's for fine. dinner. Yeah, I would have Maya Angelou. Um, I would have Marion Keys because I think oh, she's yes. just the crack. She's hilarious. Who else would I have? I need two more seats at the table. Um, I think I would have Karen Brooke. She is I've I know her slightly, and she is hilarious i would have her plus super interesting person Mm. and i think i would have um i think i'd have jane austen i'd resurrect jane as well because i mean look her books are still selling after a couple of hundred years so Mm. that's a brain worth picking right there it would be interesting to know what she's like in real life i think it would, wouldn't it? And what she's made of all of the interpretations and the reimaginings of her work that, you know, from Clueless and in all these other ways that people have reinterpreted her work, you know, what she, she would actually think about that. Um, and whether she would is annoyed that she's not getting the royalties. <laughs> well, there's that. I, I pretty well guarantee that that would be a yes. <laughs> Now, for everyone that is looking for a freebie from you on your website, listeners can download the Eva Scott's Grown Up Guide to Dating. I had a quick look through that this morning and had a bit of a chuckle. (laughs) All of it's true. All of it's true. It's based on personal experience. Excellent. Um, Yeah. So it's it's like it's a lot of, uh, uh, many of my friends find themselves single at this kind of middle age point in life and... um, you know, you have to get back in to the pool and swim about, but it's challenging. It's know? hard. The, the world has changed so much. And, yes. Um, I, um, I've only been married two years and I met my husband on OkCupid. So that was, it was nice to find somebody that is like me, which is great. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of pain right <laughs> yes there is and and in, in lonely and long reach i have all of these little stories in there because the the main um heroine sarah's she's she's researching how people in the rural environment find love and so often it's online because you live remote and the, it, often it's online but all of the stories in there i think except for two are all real they all happen to people that i know and there's some crazy people out there like you have to you have to have some sort of criteria for filtering the crazies out you know i really was at the point when when i first met my husband he had he'd messaged me and i was like oh look i i really am not in the right place for this i just feel too damaged <laughs> by too traumatized the process. Um, yeah, I, I I was really at that point of going. Look, I'm just willing to accept. I will never <laughs> find 
find the right person to me and but he was persistent but yeah I'd really um because I'm 45 now and we've only been married two years and I prior to meeting him I was just like oh I think I'm done this is just I can't can't find the right match for me and like that was what I was really looking for that that person that's my other half um and that is so hard to find like there's plenty of people out in the world but there's only that one person you know (laughs) Well, you can make do. There's lots of people you can make do with if that's what you want. But if you are looking for that real connection, that soul connection, mm. it's rare. And I I got together with my husband when I was 42, I think, and I had my boy at 44. And we've, we've been married now um, about, oh, gosh, 10 years, I think. Mm. But um, I was at that point, like you, I was just like, look, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to resign myself to having a series of hot affairs until I die. That's all that's going to happen here. You know, I'm not going to find that, that person. That sounds a much better plan than mine was. I was just like, no, nope, I'm becoming a nun. <laughs> I can't deal <laughs> I, with it. I, I, a friend of mine, she broke up with her boyfriend. I said, well, what are you going to do now? She goes, oh, I think I'll just be a spinster and keep adopting dogs. And I'm like, look... Uh, we can come up with a better plan than that. <laughs> we can. So, yeah, just hot affairs. Hot affairs. You can have mm. hot affairs. But what you really want is that heart connection. Yeah. You really want that one special person. The hot, uh, ongoing hot affair for the rest of your life with that special person. <laughs> yes. Now, there's the ideal. No, that's what you really want. And do you think you'd be inspired to write about your personal romance? Uh, probably not, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I do, I do base all the villains in my books on my own personal villains. I give okay. them to friends, obviously, but you know that's writer's revenge. Um, <laughs> but, but as for the romances, no, I keep, I keep those for myself. Hmm. I always joke that I'm going to write a novel about myself and my husband and call it Love Nerds. Because <laughs> um, we're total geeks. <laughs> oh, that's so um, But we just lo- love everything that's geeky and nerdy. And yeah, that was kind of what brought us together. Um, yeah. Anyway. Like finds like. Yes, thank goodness, even though it took so many years. <laughs> you just got to have faith, don't you? You just got to hold on. Yes. Um, now, one uh, last question. Uh, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your writing journey? I, I think really I would say to believe um, unequivocally that I could do it. I saw this interview with Lizzo um, um, on Lizzo. Dan Letterman. Yeah, Dan Letterman's guest, she is. Well, that particular one, I think it's on Netflix, and she said something and she said that she like she knows that making music is what she's here on earth to do. That's mm. it. And she never questions that. And I would say to my younger self, you know, believe that telling stories and writing is what you're here on earth to do and never question it. Mm. Never question it. Sometimes I question what I'm writing, but I never question that I should be writing, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I, (laughs) without divulging too much into my personal life, I was having a counselling session yesterday um, and the counsellor was saying, oh, Kylie, I really think that you are overburdening yourself at the moment. You've got a lot on um, and I want you to take some time 
for you. And I'm like, but my writing is my time for me. Yeah. And it's also the thing that I'm best at. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense because she was like, maybe you just need to step back and let things go a bit. And I, I'm like, well, this is who I'm meant to be. It's who I am. And I'm having, I'm, I'm actually having a bit of traction now I do have a book coming out and um yes congratulations yeah it's exciting um so the thing the work all the work that I have put in 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 the last couple of years even though sometimes it does feel overwhelming to do all of that it's also yeah who I am so I'm sort yeah. of a bit feeling a bit challenged where she's like oh why don't you set some of that down at the moment but I'm like no this is the no. time to be <laughs> embracing yes, it's it. Not a, it, it. It's not a hobby. It's mm. essential. And that's what sometimes I think people don't understand. It's not a hobby that we do. It's essential to who we are. And we're much mm. nicer people when we do it. I don't know about you, but speaking for myself, if I go for a really long period of time with not being able to write, I get cranky. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm much nicer when I'm writing. Much nicer. Yeah. Well, I've just found my life is so different now that now that I am – working on being the best version of myself like it took me a long time to figure out what I should be doing mm. and then also once you start doing it and you do see good results it's like well this makes sense to be doing this yeah um yeah. I think the challenge for myself and a lot of writers is where you're in that in-between space of you, you're still having to work and, and manage your previous life and you're transitioning to that next step so um, I'm trying to juggle writing and meeting deadlines and run yeah. a podcast while I'm also doing quite a heavy lifting job like in, there's a lot of headspace I need to use for my day job <laughs> yeah so that's like, the pinch oh, isn't it okay that's the pinch and it's mm. it's really I think uh you know that's when you you it's handy to remind yourself that this is what you were here to do. And even though there's a mundane life, you know, there's rent to be paid, mortgage to be mm. paid, you know, you've got to do that. But at the same time, this is your purpose and mm. and hang and making a decision to never doubt that. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's I, it. I definitely feel like it makes me a better person oh, and, yeah. and just a more satisfied person as well. Yeah. Although yeah. my, my husband always, like, I'll write something, like, oh, I hate this, it's terrible. And he's like, you know, that's not true. He's <laughs> like my biggest cheerleader. He's like, come on. Um, and especially if you've been submitting a lot or yeah. um, writing something for a competition and then it nothing happens. And really that sometimes it's just um, the person who's reading it, it doesn't touch them in the way yeah. it might touch somebody else. But you immediately jump to, oh, that mustn't have been very good. It's like rubbish. It's yes. <laughs> no, and it, we're so, so right terrible to ourselves. It's tremendously subjective. It mm. is tremendously subjective. And, you know, uh, if it doesn't hit somebody's, uh, doesn't resonate with this person, doesn't. I mean, Harry Potter's a really good example of that. Mm. It, how many publishers did she submit to before somebody picked it up out of a bin and went, oh, my God, we can't pass on this. Mm. Um, and all of the other people had passed on it because it didn't resonate with them. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's an example in extremis, but it does happen. You know, you do, if you believe in something, I think you just have to, as yeah, just... difficult and tiring as it is, you have to keep going. Mm. And I've completely gone off script today. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it's been a lovely chat. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's oh. been good to catch up. And um, I have a copy of your latest book, which I'm going to use as a giveaway for our listeners. So I'll pop that up on our Instagram page um, for people to interact and um, then someone can have the joy of reading your novel. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really delightful. And um, I it's actually the first podcast I've done. So I'm... Oh, you know, excellent. It's yeah, just like I'm, a chat on the phone. It is, isn't it? Except there's people listening in. There's nothing odd about that at all. Um, <laughs> no, but it's been lovely. It's been really super lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thank you, Eva. Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. Eva has kindly given us a copy of her book while you were in the country to give away to one of our lovely listeners. So jump over to the Totally Lit Instagram page to find out how to enter to win. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees. I love to interact with our listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. You can email me at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. I've also created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. So jump into the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out to the world to read, write, create, ignite.